You're listening to Bloom in Tech with David Bloom. This podcast sponsored by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bloom and Tech. I'm your host, David Bloom. Happy to once again join you here in the audio universe that we all occupy and theater of the mind. I wanted to talk a little bit today about Claire Wineland. Claire built a massive following on YouTube simply by talking about her life and what made it and her remarkable. And then on September 2nd of last year, at the age of 21, Claire Wineland died. She was killed by complications from lung transplant surgery, but really, she died of complications from cystic fibrosis, the terminal disease that hovered over her entire time on Earth, even as Wineland was busy living an extraordinarily vital life while inspiring untold others. A year to the day after Claire died, the documentary Claire debuted. It chronicles Wineland's life and spotlights her core messages. You can watch it for free on YouTube. I'll make sure to include a link The documentary short is now angling for Oscar recognition. It's passed the first couple of hurdles to qualify for further consideration as best documentary short. And the project is all about giving Claire Wineland another chance to change people's minds and lives. I sat down with Nicholas Reed, who I have known for a while. He is the documentary's co-director and uh, former Hollywood talent agent at ICM. These days he is co-founder of Shareability, a company that creates content for brands. But on the side, Nick has helped create a string of documentary short films. His first such project, The Lady in Number Six, was a home run. It won an Oscar telling the story of a 110-year-old Holocaust survivor and death camp survivor who relied on the power of music to both get through that awful experience and to continue to change lives for decades and decades afterward. Now with Claire, Nick Reed has found another absolutely captivating and irresistible subject. Buddhists like to remind us, we will all die. Wyland just had that awareness of death thrust more implacably, repeatedly, unavoidably in her face and from her earliest memories. But the crucial question wasn't whether she or anyone else will die, Wyland says in the doc. Instead, it was about how do we treat sick people, she said. She talked about how every few months she would be in a hospital for up to a month at a time. Her parents had to work full-time, so they'd send friends over. But there'd be this, quote, tremendous sense of pity when they walked in. They would tiptoe in, she said. Meanwhile, she, as a young child, taking off from school, decorating her room, hanging out and reading and talking to cool people, was having the time of her life, she said. She nearly died at the age of 13, but recovered and decided at that time that she needed to do more to help families of children with cystic fibrosis, a genetic malfunction that kills most of its victims long before they turn 25. Wineland endured four hours of expensive, extensive medical treatments every day and underwent 35 surgeries. About a quarter of her life was spent in hospitals before she had the surgery that killed her. With all that in mind, Wineland launched the Claire's Place Foundation to raise money for those suffering from cystic fibrosis and to help their families out. And she began posting about her life on YouTube, where her joyful, self-deprecating, and distinctive takes helped inspire many and attracted more than 400,000 subscribers. 
She talked about trying to dignify people who are sick and to tell them not to wait on other people to fix them while they're sick. She said, you need to have a deep pride in what you've been through. You have to be something in the world. By doing that, you have enough motivation to take care of yourself. You have something bigger than that you're living for. And in fact, that's good advice whether you're dealing with a life-threatening disease or you're just dealing with life. Making our way through isn't enough, as she makes in a most pointed way uh, obvious. Just getting through isn't enough. We need to be more. Now, Nick, who I will uh, play back my conversation with him as the second part of this podcast, said he'd been working on a piece about dying with dignity, talking to older folks. Uh, It was all inspired by the health challenges facing a 70-something friend. Then he and his directing partner, Ryan Acevedo, decided they wanted to talk with younger people facing life-threatening diseases. One was a vivacious woman who lived in the nearby Venice neighborhood of Los Angeles, not far from where I am right now. And soon after, they, uh, they met, and she blew them away. And, uh, but she didn't trust them because, as Nick said, other people had done stories about Wineland, and some had, quote, kind of exploited her as the sick girl, quote-unquote. Wineland never wanted to be the sick girl. In fact, in dozens of YouTube videos and public appearances, she talked about living life fully for now because now was pretty much all she could ever count upon, and really, it's all any of us can count upon. Her concern about being exploited meant that it took a year and a half of meetings and coffees before Wineland trusted the directors to not make a sick girl documentary. She finally assented, and they taped enough to create a draft version of a trailer to prove that it would be the uplifting message Wineland wanted to send. She also, at this time, agreed to a transplant, as is made clear in the documentary, after her lungs were so damaged that she had less than 30% of normal function. The surgery was a seeming success, but during her recovery, while still under anesthesia, she suffered a stroke and died. Her death, both inevitable and unexpected, uh, as you can imagine, devastated Reed, he eventually sent the trailer to both Netflix, which had bought The Lady in Number 6, and YouTube, where Wineland had posted so many videos. Within 24 hours, YouTube had bought the documentary and provided enough money to do higher-quality post-production work. Rita Acevedo took some of that money, $40,000, and donated it to Claire's Place Foundation. The documentary was released as a YouTube original on the one-year anniversary of her death and since has accumulated more than 800,000 views. It gives Wineland one more chance to remind us to live now and live fully. It is a wonderful gift she's left us, and I will strongly urge you to watch Nick's doc. It's a really remarkable piece of work, I think, and it's all because of Claire, as he will freely admit. In the meantime, let's take a little break, and we'll come right back to hear from Nicholas Reed, the co-director of Claire, the documentary about Claire Wineland. Now, here's my conversation with Nick Reed about Claire, the documentary, and Claire Wineland, the star of that documentary, and everything that she meant. I strongly recommend, again, give a listen, and then go find Claire on YouTube. I watched the documentary. It's great. It's kind of hard to screw it up when you've got material like Claire, right? Uh, and you managed not to, so that's a good sign. That's a really uh, good sign. 
I mean, it's pretty remarkable stuff. So tell me about how you got involved, how long you worked on this. Is this your annual, I want to do a documentary short, though this is longer than most documentary shorts. I think it's just under the, the, the time limitations. As you know, my, my last big documentary was um, The Lady Number Six, which actually was the first documentary I'd ever produced because I was an agent for many years. Right. Uh, and of course, I got completely ruined because I went on to, to win the Academy Award for a yes. film. It's like being a rookie for the Dodgers and winning the World Series. Like, don't we do this every year? It's like, no, not necessarily. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so. the, 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 the key thing, as you just said, is um, people ask me all the time, well, I want to make a documentary. How do I do it? And ultimately, I say, you know, someone is going to tell you a story or you're going to find a story. You're just going to know. Um, and I was actually, and I try to do a documentary every couple of years for my soul, really. It's just so great mm -hmm. to go on a, on a learning adventure. And I was doing some research around uh, dying with dignity. I have a friend mm -hmm. in the 70s who's got a sort of a history of um, Alzheimer's and things like that in the family. Didn't want to have a slow, horrible kind of death. Uh, and was really talking to me about dying with dignity. And my, my directing partner, Ryan Azevedo, said, you know, let's, uh, there's an amazing woman in Venice called Claire Wineland, who's 20 years old, and, you know, she's got a terminal illness. So why don't we go talk to someone who's young and see what they think about dying? So she came in really for like a five-minute interview for this other film we were researching, and she left about an hour later, and we were all just completely blown away. And, you know, anyone who just puts Claire Wineland into Google and looks at any video she's ever done, she is the definition of a movie star. She's magnetic. Um, she's got the wisdom of the Dalai Lama. Uh, and, that's how we, and that's how the whole thing started. She, she certainly is, was born for the camera and uh, with uh, not just a, a beautiful young woman, but, but somebody who was so thoughtful and balanced and, you know, really had, uh, had, to, had to go through some really hard stuff to get to the place that gave her some deep wisdom in her early years. How much time, if you met her in her 20s, how much time did you have with her before her death? Uh, well, the one thing I guess I should, we should say up front is that, you know, the reason people should listen to what we're talking about is this woman is literally going to tell you in 40 minutes how to get more out of life. Um, because she, as someone eloquently said in London, is she's basically processed, you know, 30,000 hours of thinking about life through basically, you know, dying five times, essentially. Um, yeah. And she basically brings to us what's really important in life. So that's the reason that uh, people should hang around and, and listen to us. I met Claire, I've been, so I was working with Claire for about a year and a half. So when I had met her, a number of people had done uh, pieces on her. Some of them had kind of exploited her as the kind of quote unquote sick girl. Um, mm -hmm. So she was interested in being interviewed in general. But then when I said to her, I want to do a documentary on you, she said no. So it took mm -hmm. me a year of coffees and talking and chatting and just continuing conversations and then a bit of additional filming uh, before she additionally felt safe. But it was about an hour, uh, about a year and a half journey. And then unfortunately, or fortunately, you know, I was the last person to interview just before her um, operation. Okay. 
uh, and that was rough. She died in September 2nd, I think, of last year. And that's, so that's you exactly interviewed her interviewed her roughly when before that? So I think the last interview we'd done was probably about four weeks before that. And we had cut mm -hmm. a rough trailer of all the footage, which we were going to show her. And we kind of held back and, and, until the, uh, the operation. And then, of course, you know, everyone, the result that everyone was expecting, you know, went, went in a different direction. That had to be tough if you had spent that much time around such a remarkable person and to have kind of an unexpected death for someone who was expected to die, really. That had to be wrenching. You know, so as I've got older, we get more spiritual. And I think we get more spiritual because we realize that this thing that called life that we all take for granted is kind of beginning to uh, expire. I looked at Claire's passing in a different way. So um, there was a lady who was her nanny for many years who was sitting on the cliff when she uh, finally passed. And at the moment of passing, there was this incredible heart-shaped light shape on the, on the ocean that she took a picture of. When she uh, got the call from the parents saying Claire has just passed and she gave the time, the, the time of passing completely aligned with this moment where there was a heart shape on the water. I think that we are all spiritual beings and we all come here to, to learn. And I think Claire was an angel warrior. I think she was very, very special. I think she was here to, to give a message. But I also think her soul has a, a journey too. And the way I processed her passing was that she had dealt with so much pain, so much suffering, and she had brought so much wisdom that the universe had said to her, okay, by saying that you want to live, because what people don't realize is that she'd actually turned down two previous heart right. uh, lung transplants. Right. She just didn't think that she was worthy, which was crazy considering what she did. And then when she said, yes, I do want to live, I think the universe said, okay, you've now learned the lesson, which is life is really special. We're going to take all the pain away from you and we're going to move you on to your next journey. So it's, of course, it's super sad. And of course, during editing, I cried so much. But mm -hmm. I really think that she's still out there. And I think actually she's creating more goodness now with people's interest in, in her story and her wisdom. And she's still out there helping people. She lived a life that was intensely uh, mediated in some ways. I mean, she was on camera a lot for years. I mean, as much as any child star in some ways, and more so because it's much more private in many ways. I mean, still stuff that's edited and put together and all that. But I mean, so much of it, of what you have is things going back to her very young days when she was already beginning to talk about this stuff. She began to put herself out there at 12 or 13, I can't remember the year, but right right around there um, in a very public way. But even before that, they were videotaping her. I mean, she's ultimately a child of the video era, right? That is a benefit for you guys because there's a lot of good material across her entire or virtually her entire life, right? Yeah, you make a very good point. I asked the parents, when did they know that she was special? And the father, John, said that um, obviously when she was born, there were complications and she was being taken into uh, intensive. He said that Claire looked up at him and just kind of almost smiled, you know, and, you know, babies don't have focus, and, you know, when they're that young. Right. But he just felt like this strange presence way, way, way when she was born. And you're right. I mean, she actually was shooting videos from, you know, as little as sort of three, four, five years old. Um, 
she was just on camera. So she was driven at some young age for some reason to do that. Um, and, you know, when she went into her coma at 13, um, when she came out with a revelation that she needs to start a foundation to help other families with CF to, to raise money, that's obviously when now she's on camera all the time trying to get across her message and why people should help and, and give money. It says a YouTube original. So did YouTube help finance this or what was what's all the, the business details on this thing? How did this all come together in terms of making, I mean, it still costs you some money, not just your time and energy and love. So, you know, as you said earlier, so I'm driven by deep interest. So initially, there were three partners, myself, my, my direct partner, and a gentleman called Paul Foley. And we just decided that we were going to finance the film ourselves. So we basically paid for everything. We had all the equipment. And we were shooting Claire for about a year and a half just because, you know, there was no choice. She was just that special. You just had to. When she passed, as I mentioned, we had cut together a trailer, which we were going to show her to kind of give people an idea of what we were trying to do. And the yeah. promise we made to Claire was that we were not going to make a sick girl movie. We were going to make a movie right. full of wisdom to get help people get more out of life. And then what happened was when she passed, I sent the trailer to Netflix that had bought my first uh, documentary, Lady Number Six. And I sent it to YouTube because uh, Claire was a YouTuber. She had her own YouTube channel. Right. Yeah, she um, was big on basically, that. Yeah, and YouTube basically within 24 hours bought the film. I mean, it was one of the, it was, you know, having been in the film business for 25 years, you never sell a film quickly and things never go smoothly. YouTube were just like, this is amazing. We're doing it. And literally, I had a deal closed in 24 hours. So YouTube originals came in literally as we were coming into post production. So that allowed us to get some, you know, real composers. It allowed us to kind of do a lot more things in post-production than maybe we couldn't have to do if we just finished ourselves. It's a little complicated in terms of this new universe of streaming media and the Academy Awards and all that stuff. So you all have done, uh, you mentioned to me when we were texting that you had done the, the qualifying run. I think in the documentary short space, you have to either win in one of the qualified like documentary contests, right? You get a get a certain level of, of achievement in one of those things, or you do a theatrical run, like this is sort of what the, the, the feature length projects have to do, right? You have to you have to do like a four yeah. like a one week four wall in certain uh, qualified theaters like in Glendale or something. Isn't that right? Not Glendale, but yeah. So the, the irony is that um, the Lady Number Six documentary, and to every Jewish film festival, film festival in the world, get by one of them. I didn't even get accepted to get about it. And of course, I went on to win the Academy Award. With Claire, I did exactly the same thing as which I've entered into a number of festivals. The problem is I chose YouTube ultimately because YouTube is free. It's pretty much global. And I wanted the message to get to as many people as possible. And right now we have about 800,000 views on the video because I really wanted to help particularly young people. So that's why YouTube was interesting to me. Because yeah. it's on YouTube and it's streaming, it made it very difficult to get some festivals because festivals don't want it, you know, they want it to be special. The film did have a one-week run in Los Angeles, so it did qualify, you know, for the Academy. Um, and there are still some other festivals that I've entered that I'm hopeful but there is a certain irony in, you know, uh, in Lady um, winning the Oscar and actually getting turned down by everybody. So, right, you know, right. Strange world. Shows, shows what they know, right? So the next step, having gotten qualified, 
now you does that put you on the long list? Is that how that works, or do you have to do another round of culling to get to the long list and the short list and then final? I mean, a comedy. So, so the next stage is the documentary branch. You know, has members that have opted in to watch the uh, the documentary right. films. And what they will now do over the next, I think, eight weeks is they'll put together a shortlist. So I believe yeah. that what they do is they choose 10 films to be shortlisted. And then from that, they'll choose the five nominations. So right now, you know, I'm one of who knows how many films. But what it means is that the film is kind of uh, qualified to be seen by Academy documentary members in the hope that they like the film and consider it being worthy of shortlisted. The short list is the ten is the ten, and then you go down to five for the final the nominees, the actual nominees, yeah. right? So it's a little bit of an arcane process because of the way short documentaries in particular. is it is it less than forty minutes or forty five minutes to qualify as a short? I can't remember. Uh, the academy is less than forty minutes. So you're just under that by like fifty five seconds or something, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think films vary from 14 minutes to 39 minutes. Um, I've always yeah. tried to just, you know, basically go out to make the best film I can, and whatever that length is, is the length of it. When I did Lady in Number Six, it was also, I think, about 38, 39 minutes, um, which makes it very hard to sell it to television because, you know, they're all 30-minute yeah. chunks. But again, all I really wanted to do was to make the most impactful film. And, mm. and I would say, you know, anyone who gets a chance to watch some of the, the documentary will basically have, you know, a young lady looking at you, kicking you in the pants, but perhaps, you know, inspiring you to really get off the couch and do more. And at the same time, she's going to make you cry. But the beauty of Claire and also my lady number six, who was 110 years old, is when someone is looking at you with no ego and nothing but pure wisdom, it's very hard not to let that into your soul and realize that you really need to make, you know, more of your life. You really need to do more value. So it's up on YouTube, and they'll show. Are they showcasing it anyway? Are they doing anything to help in any sort of? I mean, I don't know what a Oscar campaign looks like for a documentary short that you're showing for free on one of the biggest sites in the world. But what is what does that all look like in terms of helping? I mean, can they help? Is there anything they can do or should do or what you'd like them to do? You know, YouTube has never had, I don't believe, anything nominated. And obviously, most of their work is really kind of, let's call it, in, in the mass media. Yeah, um, I mean, they, did, they so, did get something, I think, for one of their animated short films uh, two years ago. I think they got either oh, a nomination. Right. Yeah, it yeah. was a good, it was a music thing. It was beautifully done. I can't remember what it was called, but it was, uh, it was terrific, actually. And I think it may have won. Uh, but it was a, it was an animated short, so they've been there. You know, Amazon and, and Netflix, they don't really have a kind of an academy team. They're not they're not really set up in that way. So as much as they are, you know, very proud of the film, they as a company are not really set up in the way that Netflix and and, and uh, Amazon uh, the kind of awards thing much more seriously because they don't you know right. they don't feature films and, and and stuff like that generally. So. At the moment, all I'm really trying to do is I'm reaching out to influencers who are in, let's call it the live life space, uh, people with positive messages. And right now, all I'm trying to do is basically get as much exposure for it as possible at all different levels, just so kind of people know the name. And then, you know, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed that the, you know, the Academy members, as they go through the film, that there is something in the film that speaks to them. 
Because as you said, I think that my job on this film was to kind of stay out of the way. The one thing that, you know, YouTube to their credit let me do was at the very beginning of this process, I decided that all I wanted in the movie was Claire and to have one person and one voice, you know, for 40 minutes was is quite a challenge. And when I started, I thought I might be crazy. But I think um, we've succeeded. And really what I wanted was I wanted you just to listen to a young lady and tell you why life is important and what's important and how to live your life. And I didn't want any doctors or parents, you know, or any old people, quote unquote, hmm. you know, interfering. And it wasn't about people telling you how great Claire was, because that's pretty obvious when you listen to her and you see what she's done. So I just made this kind of bold choice that I just wanted you to listen to this one person's point of view about what living really means. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think it's probably a pretty savvy choice. I mean, it's, it's, uh, as I said early on, you know, it's pretty good material to work with. I mean, it's, uh, hard to go wrong because she's such a compelling speaker and compelling voice with a really meaningful message. Is Claire the Claire's Place Foundation connected? I know you all mentioned it, and obviously it sort of runs through this because that's what got her. That was what came out of her near-death experience at thirteen. Are they benefiting in any way, or I mean, what do you hope this does for that work that goes on? It's it's raised a million dollars to help uh, help with families who are dealing with CF and so on and so forth. Yeah, great question. So um, we are actually donating uh, $40,000 to the foundation from the money we got uh, from YouTube. Foundation and we are completely hand in hand by trying to connect the material to as many people as possible. We're actually growing the following of uh, Claire's Place Foundation by being so active. The foundation yeah. is still very active. They've just given over a one million dollars away to help families with cf and they just made some um donations very recently some awards so this has really kind of revitalized given even more energy to the foundation and also of course there are so many great causes out there it's so hard to choose which ones support and it's kind of shining a light on you know cf and what's what's incredibly interesting about cf is that you know if you saw claire without the tube in her nose you would have no idea that she had right. an issue. And the problem right. with a lot of terminal illnesses today is they're invisible. You know, when you see someone who's been in a car crash, you know that they've got a problem. But when you see with someone with CF, it's like you, they look like a regular person, but yet you don't right. realize, that, you know, literally, you know, if you're a CF, CF, you know, you do treatment, four hours of treatment every day, so you can go into tomorrow, so you can do four hours tomorrow. And that right. on life is unbelievable their bodies are collapsing inside slowly and they're um, having to deal with it. You're right, but it's sort of hidden in some ways, except for the fact that they're married to the machine. As she said, she, she spent all this time sort of being a machine to some extent to keep going and uh, didn't want to just be that, wanted to be more than that and was able to live a fairly interesting life and, and have some, some opportunities and experiences. So, so what's the basic message that you hope comes across about Claire, the movie, and Claire Wineland, the human who's no longer with us in corporeal form, but seems like she's still with us in many other ways? Um, I think that so many of us are lucky that we don't think about dying because dying seems so far off. And basically what she's done is she's basically kind of giving us uh, 30 years of advice. And I think some of the key advice are 
things that we hear about but don't really listen to. So you know, when she has limited number of hours every day to do something, she said that the one thing she wants to do is something that is very straightforward, like have coffee with a friend, and all she wants to do is be in the moment. And I think that, you know, there are many gems of wisdom in the film, but one of the key things in a world where we're being bombarded by so much uh, information and apps and TV and entertainment is that we're just not actually being in the moment. And when we're with someone, we're not being in the moment. And I think right. the notion is basically one, be in the moment. And two, when you think about what it is you're doing on the planet, are you, are you positive or are you negative? And I think her big takeaway is that, you know, at Christmas when you're an adult and you give gifts to your friends or children, you get so much more out of giving a great gift to someone who loves it than you do in receiving. Her point is just that, which is if you are able to help somebody in any way whatsoever, you are going to feel so much more fulfilled. So, you know, stop chasing those shiny objects that you think are going to make you feel better. Think about how you can make a difference. And if you, if you can find a purpose to help someone, you're going to feel so much happier about life. And, you know, she said, you know, you can take all the drugs you want in the world, but that's not happiness. That's drugs. You know, right. happiness comes from feeling you are giving something of value. She was remarkable. So uh, when did this actually debut? Uh, so the film is, is up on YouTube now. Um, you know, it's got about 800,000 views as of this morning, moving fast to, to a million, uh, million views. And I think that the big thing I want to say, David, is if you, if you know someone who you think needs a little pick-me-up, you know, people who've got depression, people who've had trauma, people who've thought about committing suicide, this film streamed at the Oxford University in England to the Davos uh, young global leaders. These are incredibly bright, incredibly smart people driving businesses around the world. And the reaction was just stunning. And, and the reaction I'm getting from people is that this film is a change agent. If you're having trouble with your teenager, watch the film together. If you're having trouble with a family mm -hmm. member, watch the film together. Because when you come out of this film, you realize there's such a much bigger question going on that it kind of opens the door for you to have a conversation with someone that you love, but you just don't know how to get to that place. So think of this film as a change agent. Like if you just want to make your life 10% better, then you should watch this film because it will open that door for you. So that's our show. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nicholas Reed, the co-director with Ryan Azevedo of the YouTube original documentary, Claire, about Claire Wineland. It is available for free on YouTube for your uh, watching. I strongly recommend you do it. I think it will help you sort through some of your priorities as much as it helped me with mine at a time that uh, I think was important for me. Um, and it's great. It's really great. Nick did wonderful work on this, and so did his uh, collaborators on this project. And uh, in the meantime, if you like this podcast. Please rate, review, share, subscribe. All those things that tell the magic algorithm machines how much you appreciate the work that we're putting in to try to bring you interesting stories. If you really like it, you can become a supporter of my podcast and uh, chip a few bucks into the monolithic media machine that I am trying to become. It's all ambition, folks. You can support much. It's much like Patreon, though uh, it's separate and run through uh, Anchor.fm, the operation um, that hosts and syndicates my show. Uh, 
across 10 different platforms. You can also leave me an audio message through Anchor.fm and tell me what you think about Claire, Claire Wineland, the uh, documentary's work, its uh, efforts to become uh, recognized as part of the Oscars this year as a documentary short. I'd love to hear from you. You can also drop me a line on LinkedIn at David L. Bloom or on Twitter at David Bloom. Get in the conversation that way. I'd love to hear from you always. In the meantime, I hope you're well. I hope you're living your life fully and for things bigger than just getting through. I hope that hearing about people like Claire helps you take the next step in creating a greater, better life. In the meantime, this is David Bloom with you on my mind. Over and out. You've been listening to Bloom in Tech. I am your host, David Bloom. Thanks so much. And our podcast has been sponsored in this episode by Fabric Media in Venice, California. Take care, everyone. Thank you.